Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to talk about these things called songs. Electric word songs, it means a melody, and that's a mighty big thing. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. A hit song. <laughs> Lisa's been drinking. A hit song can bring the person who wrote it a world of never-ending happiness. You can always hear the song, day or night. So when you call up that lawyer in Beverly Hills, you know the one, he used to represent Dr. Luke. Instead of asking him, can you sue those people talking about your song, you should listen to the show. Because on this show, we talk about the songs. On this show, it's all about the songs. And if you don't download the podcast, you're crazy. This week on One Song, let's go crazy. Woo! Now let's hear the real person sing it. I'm actor, writer, director, and sometimes DJ Diallo Riddle. And I'm producer, DJ, and songwriter Luxury, a.k.a. the guy who sometimes talks about interpolation on the internet. <laughs> Love that you always whisper that. And this <laughs> week we have, I've been looking forward to this for so long, we have a very special guest. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, he's my writing partner. You've seen him do a million TV shows. He's in movies that I cannot mention right now. <laughs> it's Bashir Salahuddin. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. Uh, excited to talk about music. It's excited to talk about mm-hmm. music. We're excited to talk about Prince. Yeah. And all right, before we get into the song Prince, mm. I want to ask right off the bat, uh, what makes Prince special to you? You know, I think for me, I've always like, you know, for me, that's a great question. I'm sorry, because I was going to answer all the things that make him special, but that doesn't make sense. No, but that works too. What, no, but what I'm saying everybody knows what makes him special. So to me... I am, there are two things about him that I've always found really incredible. One is his work as a collaborator. A lot of it you've, you've told me about. And I've always felt like like if I was ever to do a Prince movie, like mm. that's the one I'd want to do. Just about yeah. him. Because, I mean, just think about, he's so successful and so talented, but like there's still more in the tank. Right, there's, so there's still much. like you know what, and I'm gonna go produce six other albums for six <laughs> other people, and I'm gonna go play I'm gonna the do guitar. This Vanity Six album over here. I'm gonna drop some vocals on this person's record. The I'm family go, has yeah. an album that we yeah. gotta get out. Um, tell us why you're so excited about the about the topic today. I'm so excited because I have a lot of stuff I want to play for you guys that you may have never heard before. So many layers to Let's Go Crazy, beyond it being just an incredible pop song. Uh, there's layers of rock and roll. There's layers of heavy metal in there. Mm. There's synth pop. Uh, it's very, actually, when you drill down into the song, it's actually really very lo-fi in terms of its recording. It's, you know, even though it was a massive global hit, the actual recording itself was very punk rock, uh, very DIY. So in my mind, this song is culturally important for all the reasons we know for Prince to be important. Mm-hmm. But as a song, it's also kind of an avant-garde, lo-fi, heavy metal, synth-pop, rock classic. It's also for a lot of people his introduction to himself. I mean, it opens mm, yeah. Purple me, Rain. There are absolutely. folks, you know, if you definitely, if you had some like, you know, black people who love funk and was really about <laughs> it, they knew about, you know, the, for the first couple of Prince albums, but I think vast majority of America probably came on board at Purple Rain. And so this is like the first 
moment of like, yeah, they weren't they guy? weren't buying copies of Dirty Mind. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the guy standing in the bathtub. No, that's that right. right. <laughs> it was kind of like it was sort of like if you were a kid, especially, it wasn't music you were allowed to listen to necessarily. Controversy, mm-hmm. like those are some. The, the controversial lyrics. Like They're you said it right there, right in the title. We were not supposed to watch the movie Purple Rain, and I was like watching it <laughs> as a kid, and I was like, what's wrong? Oh, boy. Well, this <laughs> yep. is the, this I'm is the not first... supposed to be watching this right now. Oh. <laughs> that was my family, too. <laughs> this is the first song on Purple Rain. Let's get it started. This is one song. Shout out to U.S. Soy and the United Soy Bean Board for supporting this episode of One Song and for giving our podcast studio an unbelievably smooth, sustainable makeover. Here on our show, we dive deep into the music, dissecting every beat and lyric. Sustainability is just like that. Each eco-friendly choice we make is like a single note that contributes to life's melody. That's why Heartbeat and the USB are teaming up to lead the discussion around greening Hollywood. We're talking slashing the carbon footprint of production with soy-based alternatives like soy-based inks for printing scripts, soy foam for soundproofing studios, and even biodiesel generators to power sets. To see our sustainable studio transformation, watch the Tears for Fears episode of One Song and see behind-the-scenes clips of how we pulled the whole look together. It's all on at Heartbeat Audio on YouTube, and the link is in our show notes. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food service. So a little backstory to the song. We just kind of alluded to it a moment ago, but this is the introduction to the world for a lot of people for of Prince, but Prince was pretty well-known in the Black community. He was an R&B singer. He had four records out actually before this. And, and to be fair, he had a couple of huge pop records before this too, but he hadn't quite broken through in the way he was about to break through. And part of that was in the album Purple Rain in general, in the movie and the album, but specifically the song, there's an effort to kind of go a little deeper into the rock direction. Mm-hmm. And part of that is fueled, some interesting things happen a few years earlier, just to back up to 1981. Prince is opening for the Rolling Stones, just two shows in Los Angeles, and he actually can't even finish the set because they get booed off stage yep. by this. And this is like, that's a moment where he's like, I, I, I never want to, first of all, tour in front of anyone else again. It's so he never forward, opens again. He never opens for anybody again. It's this is the beginning of his really locking the doors on who he's working with or opening for. He wants it. to control the live experience. The control. That's the word I was looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. The beginning of this. And next make sure era that the fans who were there are his fans and not. Yeah. 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 He wanted Rolling for, Stones fans. And it wasn't just let's lock. <laughs> yeah, the we doors. All, we saw what happened at Altamont. <laughs> yeah. Black we're people careful. don't do well at Rolling Stones. Concerts. No, if you're black and <laughs> the Rolling Stones invite well. you to tour with them, <laughs> to a, say no, thank you, Mick Jagger. Absolutely. Yeah, no, this isn't closing the door, though, on that audience and saying, okay, it's only going to be these guys for now. And it's more like, how do I get those guys? How yeah. do I win them over? Mm-hmm. So there's a real effort to reach for the white audience. for the And, and in part, that means going rock. That means adding crunchy guitars. Like, me, literally, that tactic. Let me ask this question. Call me out on it. Do that. we feel yeah, like yeah. that's him saying, I got to reach a bigger audience, got to reach a... Or does it feel like him going deeper into all the stuff he really likes? I feel like when I hear mm-hmm. narratives of Tina Turner... Uh, when she did uh, uh, her first album after I uh, was it was it Private Dancer? 
Okay. Is that what it's called? I don't know if that's the first. The big one where she broke? Yeah, The big one was with Private Dancer. What's Love Got to Do With It? And when you look at Michael Jackson and and the disco shift, right, right, from Off the Wall to Thriller, the artists are saying like, hey, this is me going deeper into it. And I'm wondering if with, with Purple Rain, is that... Is it both? Is it outreach? Or is it also Prince that. saying, hey, I love all this other stuff too? Or let's take it one step further. It might be Prince saying, hey, by the way, I'm I'm better at rock than y'all are. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's an element of, of I think it's a little bit of all that. I think those are great points. I don't I don't think he compromised his sound one bit. It's mm-hmm. more like he's adding to the There's already synth pop songs on like Dirty Mind is a synth pop classic as yeah. is, right? Controversy is kind of a synth pop. He's already kind of bringing in new wave, like British white band, basically. There's, there's already an interplay in his music mm-hmm. where he's, Mixing up different genres and different audiences. So weird to hear you describe really quickly to hear you describe it as, as rock, which is accurate. Yeah, yeah. Because we all receive it as pop. Yeah. Like we all received all that stuff as this is just pop music. It was on top forty radio. It yeah. wasn't on like the rock station. It, it, it seems like over time the definition of pop always changes to what's ever truly popular because there yeah, are times in the That's past right. when pop was rock and then pop was hip hop for a little bit. And right now I would say like all that dance music that felt underground in the two thousands is you know basically what Dua Lipa and all the pop artists are doing now. They're just mm. singing lyrics over it. Uh, one last thing I want to say about Prince doing rock. When the first British invasion happens, you get all these black artists, and we're going to talk about Little Richard as well this episode, mm. but you get these people who are like black musicians who are like, hey, these British people are doing what we invented. Let's show them that we do it better. Right. Yeah. And I feel like when you know Human League and all these people are basically – doing the the british right this this british invasion is doing their own version of of disco and black music you know with drum machines and prince is like oh yeah i can do that yes he can i can do that just like y'all so you <laughs> can do it better so than it's, anyone it's else not even that he's yeah. copying the the white musicians he's saying like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna show you where this all came from right well and, and to be fair this is also a moment where like whatever a decade into maybe it's longer than that a period of time where there's so like top 40 radio is so eclectic mm-hmm. you have so much going on white, black, country rock, there's everything is sort of simultaneously listening to each other. It's not striated in the way it used to be. There used to be black stations and there used to be white but stations. But I think the, the other thing also that's, for me, very incredible, that I've, it's one of those things like when you see certain artists that are so good, you have to like think about them in retrospect mm-hmm. for all the different parts of them that were good because at the time you're just receiving it. Like w- w- It's interesting with Prince, as you as you say again, it is, it is rock. I'm just sort of struggling with that idea a little bit because I'm like, that's so it's so wild because he was also really good at writing really great original melodies, right? Like it's not it didn't sound like. Oh, let's go else. crazy as one of the greatest guitar riffs of didn't all time. Didn't sound like anything anybody had heard right. before. So it's like I I mean I think that's the hardest thing in music. I think writing a pop melody, yeah, that people who don't know you will be humming later is like that's the golden standard. That's yeah. the hardest thing to do, and that's why most of us can't make music. I, okay, so. Really quick, you have the stems for this song, which is something that I have never had the chance to hear. What what are you going to play for us first? All right, so I do have the stems for Let's Go Crazy, so we can hear all the different parts. The first thing I want to start with, though, is the drums. So what's interesting and somewhat innovative about this is that we're going to start with a drum machine. Prince is really famous for being, as we were just discussing, a master programmer of specifically the LN1 drum machine. Like the LN1 is the iconic (laughs) Prince drum machine that he tamed and created sounds. Because you have to understand, you buy this device and it's got a preset kick, preset snare, Mm. got a hi-hat, and everyone who buys it, it sounds the same until you start getting in there and tweaking it. And at the time, people weren't really doing that. And by that was the way, hard you have do. to address, and this is so a thing that's timeless in music. Yeah. You got to address the haters because you know some old musicians are like, man, he's pushing buttons. Yes. He's pushing buttons. That's yeah. my take. We're hearing it going, let's oh, this hear is the dr- genius. Remember that point? I yeah, want you to yeah, make that yeah. point. Play us, play us some drums. But real we quick. don't have that context anymore. 
It's, it's funny to hear it in the build, too, because you have to remember, we're going to be building from the ground up. So it starts simple, but that's for a reason. So here is literally the Lindrum beat from Let's Go Crazy. <laughs> it almost could be from like 10 different print songs. That is absolutely, it is from 10 different yeah, print songs. Yeah, it feels like that's It's like, the same drum machine. And that same. But even the cadence up. feels like. I'm delirious. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not getting crazy with the patterns necessarily, but he is messing around with the sounds and that kind of infamous knocking beat. I'll play that isolated because this to me, like when you hear this, it exists in the drum machine, but to get it to sound like that, in other words, it's one of your sound options, uh -huh. but to get it to sound like it's the Prince, program, you got to do stuff. You got to pitch it down. You got to mm. run it through a flanger. You got to compress it. And in order to do that in 1982, you mm. got to be some kind of mad professor, basically. <laughs> but he was that guy, right? And we he talked about, he, I mean, was the, he was that we, guy. You know, Dial and I had the, the, the luxury if you will, <laughs> of going to college with Ryan. We have to mention his name three times in the I, show. And I do Go appreciate ahead. that. We, we had the luxury of going to college with Ryan Leslie. And I think one of the things that I, you know, aside from not studying, I was always <laughs> so impressed with just, because we got a chance to watch him make a few songs. And I would say, with Prince, I've always heard, and I don't know, you probably know better, that he was kind of grew up with his own little garage situation, yeah. right? Where he was experimenting and playing right. with sounds and really learning basement. all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in Manhattan, whatever you call it. Man. Kids, parents, buy your... Buy your kids a bunch of like equipment and stuff. Yeah, like, and that comes in handy later when he's on tour with with Rick James. We'll get into that story in a minute. But, uh, <laughs> the beefiest tour in history, by the way. <laughs> but but here, I just want to play for you that iconic Prince sound because you and I have talked about it yes. before. When you hear this isolated thing, that is that's Prince programming the drums because he puts that specific I see. sound. He pitches it down. He pitches he it runs down it through a flanger. That's right. I, I can hear it now. And here it is in the mix again, just so you hear what that sounds like. That's a Prince beat when he throws that little blah, blah, crack, crack, whatever you want to call it. You know, it, it, somebody once said that, like, the way that Prince wow. made those drums sound so good, I've always said it killed off a generation <laughs> of black drummers because, you know, I mean, like, you've got uh, Ndugu Chankler who plays, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, Billie who Jean plays Billy yeah. Jean, like, to iconic perfection. Uh, who's the guy? Was it Benny Benjamin? Who was right. in the in the Funk, Funk Brothers? Brothers. Okay. Like you know, you had this all these black guys who had been playing the drums. Clyde Stubblefield. Yes. Oh, exactly. James Brown. Um, yeah. Of course. And all of a sudden, you know, because I'm a kid of the '80s, all of a sudden, because of the timing and because of the technology and just the uh, the appreciation, I feel like our generation had for like the 808. Like we kind of i personally preferred this sound you know nowadays like i love the imperfections that i hear yeah. and you and i are both drummers but i i love the imperfection that you hear from a live drummer but like man like bashir was just saying there had to be people over here at the record plant or like sunset yeah. studios man, like run that off right hey man cut off that miss but you know what's interesting to <laughs> they, were, they were mad at ai before writers were mad at ai yeah. Yeah, i think yeah. it does both i think it kills <laughs> off some careers but it also forces others to evolve. Yes. I'm thinking of that famous drum beat because I did a deep dive on this one night when I was, you know, <laughs> not parenting, and I, I, the drum beat from Seven Seven Seven. Seven Seven Seven. So I thought that was it's Morris, I think but it's Morris, I yeah. thought it was a live drummer. It was original. That drum beat, according to the internet, yeah. according to the guy who played it, was actually pre-programmed into the machine <laughs> by the guy who made the machine as like a crazy beat that nobody oh, could ever wild. do. Really. 
Okay. I, I, I believe you. Would. I believe you. He, listen, the comments, <laughs> will, the comments will say everything. Yeah, we'll find out <laughs> I watched the video on YouTube. But apparently, he programmed that in. But then mm-hmm. the guy who plays for Morris is his name Je- Jelly? Jelly Bean. No. Right. Yeah. He learned that. Wow. And they were like, you playing it? He was, so he was playing it live. Oh, so I dope. think for some drummers, the drum machine made them step their game up. Let me tell you, I just found out today while prepping for this episode that the drums on Wanna Be Starting Something are just a drum machine. Mm. So sometimes when I thought it was a live drummer, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, and also I found out the drummer from Toto does a lot of the drumming on the Thriller well, album. Well, there's a lot of Toto on really the Thriller album because there's a lot of songwriting from Thriller, too. And Eddie Van Halen's on there. This, yeah. There are a lot of weird people in that studio. That's <laughs> another episode. You know, it's kind of funny we're talking about this either-or thing with regards to drum machines versus mm-hmm. live drummers because in this song, in Let's Go Crazy, what he's doing, which is pretty innovative, is he's mixing that Lynn that we were just listening to with Bobby Z playing live drums. And check this out. I'll play it for you in a moment. But what you're about to hear is Bobby Z, the drummer for the revolution, Uh playing live drums. But it's a combination of, you know, drums, drums that you're used to and triggering another Lin drum. So when he hits a snare, it's actually the sound of this. It's crazy how complicated this is in 1983, no less. Mm -hmm. And this is the result. The olden times. I was there. I saw it. The British had just invaded the Falklands. (laughs) It was horrible. Uh, And this is recorded, by the way, one last crazy step at a rehearsal. This is so unprofessional. (laughs) Like, there's not, this is super punk DIY. (laughs) So, as you can hear, they're playing it live in the studio. It's also got like the Lindrum playing. which they're playing too. Yeah. And in the mix, here's all of the drums on Let's Go Crazy Together. I've obviously fussed with the the levels a little bit. Even hearing that, though, it just reminds me that the one thing that music and writing kind of have in common is sometimes you come up with an interesting idea and you don't know where it goes yet. (laughs) And I definitely think when you hear you know, Purple Rain, you're hearing probably 10 years, right? 15 years of things that he's like, oh, that's, he came up with that six years ago and he didn't tell anybody. (laughs) One day I'm going to figure out where that goes, right? right? Now it's like, it all comes together. And if you're lucky, you're printing. How old was he when they were like 22 or something, 24? That might be a sweet spot for some musicians. That 20, <laughs> 24, 25. Hey, that means there. that we'll be great in about two more years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Young guys sure. here. But it's just so crazy because I, I, I know that now there's so many parts of great art that didn't all come at the same time. Right, you know? right. You just kind of carry it with you till the right moment. And one thing and about go, this oh, show, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing that I like about our show is that by hearing these individual sections in part, you realize that it's never just one thing. There's so many layers of things that have to go well for it to kind of work out. And there are a lot of people playing on that. Um, I want to talk about the revolution. Let's talk about okay? the revolution. Uh, can you explain who the revolution was and why did Prince form a band? I mean, like, I remember his first album, For You, I think is the title. Like, there's no real... There, he, he's, it just says Prince. Mm. But by Purple Rain, it's Prince of the Revolution. Right. Uh, why did Prince form a band and how did they change the sound? So there's a lot of like information about this out there. We don't really know what Prince's thinking was at the time, but I will say that knowing that he was a huge fan of Sly and the Family Stone yes. and a huge, huge fan, fan of Fleetwood Mac, I think both that, multi-gender groups. Yeah, as he was piecing mm, both multi well, not Fleetwood Mac, but, right. but Sly is notably like I, my brother's Important a huge point, Sly yeah. fan. He was like it's, drummer, right? It's or such a they had a white drummer. That was a white player. As the keyboarder, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. I, 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 I saw I was it on the, uh, the Questlove documentary. But yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All I was going to say was that it's uh, Sly is, you know, especially for his 
for a generation, mm-hmm. it's that group that was multicultural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they had people on sort of unorthodox instruments for the stereotype of those instruments yeah. had a lot to do with the Oh, and Prince I get the, the sense that growing up, like looking back, I, I wasn't there at the time, but it feels a little bit like they were the coolest band of 1971. I just get this sense that what they were doing musically, because it was so it influential. Was it was exciting. It was exciting so, for those who were there And it was bringing it. together elements yeah. of rock and funk and pop. So it's a lot of the DNA that Prince later takes. And by the way, I've been to... Um, Paisley Park, and there's a giant mural on the wall of all of his heroes, and he's got Sly and the Family Stone is up there, and he's got Joni Mitchell up there, oh, and that's great. Carlos Santana. Some of these are, were surprises even to me, but Fleetwood Mac is up there on the too. Wall? Does Shaka make the wall? Oh, good question. I gotta look that one. Okay, up. I wouldn't we'll be surprised because clearly, because he wrote, Todd? yeah, yeah, they're not contemporaries. She's they are, but he, lo- I mean, like he absolutely loved. Oh, it. Yeah, there's I mean, certain yeah. people who he always came back to. Um, I still love Shaka. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know she watches this podcast. No, she listens. I ran into her. I was behind her in line at Fat Burger uh, about three years ago, and she promised me that she was going to call me back, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Shaka has a long history of hearing guys say, <laughs> "You were not call the me first. back," and she just goes, "Okay, yeah, 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 I'll call you." Sorry, right, yeah, she sorry. told me she was going to call me. I told Bashir, I was like, oh, "I think he I did. got Shaka." Like, oh, oh, you can't believe what I met at Fat Burger. I was like, <laughs> "No, I believe you." This story should, it should better not be Shaka Khan. <laughs> I'm like, man, you take the. Joke out of all it's my so interesting. I know, I know you guys do this in pieces, but even as you were talking, I was like, it's so crazy <laughs> that both Sly, both Prince take all these elements, have all these influences, and yet it's still unutterably black, right? It still yes. has this one last layer of filtering mm-hmm. through, and it's almost a vibe of like, the streets are going to like this. Because yes. you know for both of those guys, like that... It was the important. Streets had to like it. Like, it was it, important for them to 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 have that credibility. I, I love where this conversation is going. There's so much to touch on, uh, but when we come back, Prince's vocals in the raw are not easy to come by. But after the break, you will hear his isolated voice as we go deeper into "Let's Go Crazy." We'll be right back. Shout out to U.S. Soy and the United Soybean Board for supporting this episode of One Song and for giving our podcast studio an unbelievably smooth, sustainable makeover. Here on our show, we dive deep into the music, dissecting every beat and lyric. Sustainability is just like that. Each eco-friendly choice we make is like a single note that contributes to life's melody. That's why Heartbeat and the USB are teaming up to lead the discussion around greening Hollywood. We're talking slashing the carbon footprint of production with soy-based alternatives like soy-based inks for printing scripts, soy foam for soundproofing studios, and even biodiesel generators to power sets. To see our sustainable studio transformation, watch the Tears for Fears episode of One Song and see behind-the-scenes clips of how we pulled the whole look together. It's all on at Heartbeat Audio on YouTube, and the link is in our show notes. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Save big money on everything. 
Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Masterforce Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Masterforce tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Welcome back to One Song. Okay, there are so many funny stories about Prince out there. So much lore. Luxury, do you have a personal Prince story? Well, I don't have a personal Prince story because I've never met the man. Okay. I wish I had. But, I mean, one what popped to mind as we were discussing the whole, like, Prince being a master at, like, programming machines. Like, that's a part of him not everybody knows about. So there's a funny story that I heard attached to that because he was touring with Rick James and the Stone City Band and the yeah. Prince. And, and they were... This this tour is crazy. This tour is crazy. It's like, can you imagine getting to see both of those bands? I wonder, I've never heard anybody actually say they were at this tour. Somebody had to be in that tour. Somebody was, sure somebody was buying lots out. of tickets. And apparently every night they were competing. Every night they're competing. And like, it's a very fierce competition to get the most applause, to get the most audience reaction. So at the end of the tour, apparently Prince's synths that he'd been using the whole time go missing. They're just gone. And... Um, <laughs> Prince is, you know, like, what the fuck happened to my synth? So months go by, and he gets a note. One day, they arrive, just like a box arrives with, like, his keyboards. And uh, again, the value of Prince's keyboards is that they contain Prince's sounds. Yeah. So the, he's, the, the presets he's, he's made for himself. dialed in his very specific Princey sounds from, like, you know, 1999, or Controversy, I guess, would have been the album at the time. Oh, I think I know where the story's going. So, it, <laughs> by the way, it says on, there's a note that says... Thanks, motherfucker. <laughs> and it turns out that uh, Rick James had used the keyboards to program and play on the song Super Freak. She's a very kinky girl. So Ooh. when you hear that sound, this distinctive synth sound on Super Freak, it is actually Prince's presets. That's that Prince are playing, nice. technically? It's, it's, not, it's, it's almost as though Prince, it's like an interpolation. Right. Nice. Or perhaps... But, it, but it's like he dialed it in to sound like that. He dialed it in to sound like that. That's wild. Um, Bashir, you have a... a I do have a, a really quick uh, Prince story. There was a, a, a late... You know, so one of the things about Prince that I always appreciated was that if you live in the LA area, like, he would just show up places. Yes. Like, you'd be, like, out at, like, Soul House or something. And it was like, by the way, whoever's playing piano sounds really good. And, oh, my God. So, but, but even before that, this is way before that, there was a party in LA called Kiss and Grind. It's now yes. our good friend Craig does it. But back in the day, it was a cool-ass underground party downtown. Yeah. And I'll never forget one night. It's like a, it's a room, maybe maybe it's a little bit bigger than this, and it was packed <laughs> full of people. It was so cool. It was so, like, you know, underground. And I'll never forget one night I was in there, and I was looking this way, talking to my friend. All of a sudden, everybody here did like this. And when I looked this way, it was like he was a ghost. <laughs> walked in, and as he walked, every single person made space. No, they got quiet. And as soon as he passed, they were like, <laughs> <laughs> which to our listeners, Bashir's going crazy right now. <laughs> that's why well, like, they did it quiet, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, you can't make any like, noise. And it's one of those moments you go like, oh, that's what a star is. Oh, let me yeah. tell you. You learn what a real star is. I mean, is. when I first moved out here, I think he still had a place open called the Glam Slam. It was towards downtown. Oh, wow. And he was never there. But, but I have a story that's kind of similar to that. So one time I walked into a place on Kawanga called The Room. Uh, I think y'all know it. Oh, I and know, yeah, know it well. I walked in and I was waiting to see like the typical. It's a it's a real dive hole in the baller type place. But they always used to play good music. I don't know if they still do. But I walked into the room 
And I, I feel like this sounds a little bit like someone else's prison story, <laughs> but there was a girl sitting at the bar dressed all in yellow, and I was like, oh, she's kind of cute. And she had a big bodyguard with her. And then I looked, the second time, I was like, oh, shit, that's Prince. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, Prince is mad cute. <laughs> very, very small individual. No, here's my real Prince story, though. This one still eats me up to this day. I went to the Roosevelt Hotel with my friend Azizi, who Bashir knows. Mm-hmm. And we went there because we heard Prince was going to perform by the pool. And then we heard he was going to be in the ballroom. So everybody left the pool and went to the ballroom. And I was there. I had work in the morning. I was there until okay. probably 2.15 in the morning. I told Zia, I was like, I can't stay up anymore. I'm going to be asleep at work. I'm leaving. Woke up the next day to text messages. And this is like in the early days of the iPhone. Oh, so like no. when people send videos, like them shits is grainy. But <laughs> he was he like, Prince just got him on stage. Message from like 3.15. Yeah. 3.30. He's doing all Michael Jackson covers. What? He just did Don't Stop Till You no. Get Enough and Wanna Be Started Something That's with mean. his band. I was like, damn Don't you, tell Prince. Me that. That's why you have such bad FOMO nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I, I missed out on when Dad Punk brought the, I went to every Coachella. I went right. to every Coachella, I saw until, Coachella. I saw Coachella too. until 2006, and then the first time I didn't go, people were like, oh, we know Dad Punk is coming. I'm like, eh, I'm a little soft on that new album. They brought out the pyramid. Yeah, and did. to this day, musicologists like you point to that performance as the year and the performance specific yeah. that broke dance music wide in America. I, I, I have serious FOMO. I have a feeling something's going to happen for you soon. Just keep keep. I just, just got to keep going to every show yeah. and stay out till four in the morning every night. Feeling I'm sure you. my kids will appreciate that. Yeah. That's why I, I, I saw Prince at Coachella. And I remember <laughs> that's when I realized I was getting older because me and we had VIP tickets and everything. And he was great. What year is this? Uh, I don't know. 2008. I'm, I'm going to roughly say it was 11 to 12 years. Is this ago. When he did creep. He did that Radiohead okay. creep cover. I was going to say yeah, yeah. that me and my friend, who you know, Felicia, we were there, and uh-huh. we were both like, "Do we want to watch more Prince or do we want to beat this traffic?" <laughs> <laughs> and we were both like, "I kind of want to beat the traffic." Traffic home. is. And what I heard on the way home was. I was like, no, nah, he's not playing Creep. That's impossible. <laughs> There's no way he's playing. My other Bashir being a huge Radiohead fan. My, and I was like, oh, she saved. <laughs> me and Bashir used to share an apartment in the ghettos of Hollywood. I'd be like, not too me, far from here. But just <laughs> to tell you, that 7-Eleven was raunchy at 3.15 in the morning. My um, eyes, man. I, I didn't ever really get into Radiohead as much as Bashir, but I know Living with Bashir was listening to a lot of OK Computer. Yeah, yeah. man. And uh, okay. and the album that I really did actually like, which was uh, which was Kid A. Lip- we should oh. we should do a Kid A. Kid we should bring a you back for the Kid A album. Uh, Luxury, you're a musician. Can I ask you, going back to that uh, Rick James thing, what's the craziest outfit that you've ever worn? <laughs> To try and win people over. Have you ever done ruffles? I did not see that coming. For some reason, what just flashed to me was a Halloween when it was like in the 90s when there was the whole kind of supermodel thing was happening. Mm-hmm. And there was this idea of like a wig. That's the only decade that we had supermodels. Let's be clear. <laughs> That's right. Go ahead. It came and it went very quickly. Yeah. But in that moment, the Kate Moss thing was all about the word waif existed for about yeah. tw- six months yeah. in popular vernacular. Heroin chic. Heroin chic, waif. And and so I was a waif and I had like a feather boa and I was like, you know, dressed in some female garb that I borrowed from my friend. That flashed into my head and I had not thought about it since it happened. So it's all going down right here on one song. <laughs> we are finding Proustian out Proustian Madeleine moments, if you will. <laughs> Let's keep it going, Luxury. What is next? So we were talking before about like how there's a lot of surprises inside the song. One of them to me when I first heard it was I thought I maybe had turned up the, something too loud because it didn't sound right, but it's actually the bass guitar really does sound like this and you're going to be very surprised. <laughs> Thank you. 
Now, just between you and me, I would call that like disgusting in a good way. Like <laughs> no, that is great. that is a distorted, dirty base. That's right brown there. mark, right? That's, that is brown mark on base. Exactly yeah, right. Brown yeah. mark on base. You yeah. Must know there must have been some again looking at because we never think about the con. There must have been some older engineers that were like, "What? What is this?" <laughs> well, you know, I engine- clean that base up for you two seconds. What are you doing? You know, and it's like, no, I want it like that. And I'm sorry. Going like, do you remember the editor we worked on oh on our God, first pilot? Yes. Yeah. We hey, hired this hey, guy. Easy, slow down. <laughs> we hired this editor because he had worked on some of our favorite movies as as as, as kids. But the but the challenge there was that uh, he still he had just, his same equipment from when <laughs> he made those movies from like Airplane, 1980. It was very slow. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, we were like, hey, can we cut the 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 tail off of that joke? He's like, whoa, 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 easy. I'm gonna need an hour. You're like, okay. This it's is so gonna, funny when you think about how film and TV is edited now. We had to like give him notes and leave for two days <laughs> and hope <laughs> that he would remember all those things. Now Hilarious. that's a dirty base. Yeah, no, you're that's nailing it though with that question about the engineer. Because a big part of the Prince story sort of begins on this record. He starts to work with this woman named Susan Rogers, who for the next few years becomes his absolute confidant. This woman who actually wasn't herself an engineer. She was trained in actually getting a coo- like the engineering aspects of a studio together, but not being an engineer. Mm-hmm. And he really... Is that her- because he wanted to kind of quietly be the engineer? Is well, that what that is? he wanted someone he could trust. Mm-hmm. And so he met her a few times and just got a vibe about her. And, and one day called her out of the blue and said, come over. Like he's not giving a lot of instructions. Just yeah. come over. And when she arrived, she learned that her job that day was to help Prince record a song. She didn't expect that at all. It wasn't her forte. It wasn't something she'd done before. But because he had seen something in Susan Rogers that he trusted and... That was the beginning of a long working relationship that includes the Purple Rain album, Around the World in the Day, like all the way through, yeah. I think, Purple oh, Rain, wow. uh, Parade, excuse me. And a big part of that is the trust, exactly what you're talking about. She wasn't somebody who was going to judge what he was doing. He wanted to have the freedom to feel like he could experiment by himself and like make mistakes and not be embarrassed or, or be called out, like you said. Yeah. Um, I want to hear the guitar because I don't think that in the Pantheon, you always hear, you know, especially guys who are rock guys of a certain age. I feel like Prince doesn't come up in their conversations enough as one of the best guitarists of all time. And when I think about the guitar, I especially think about that guitar solo at the end. I don't even know how pop radio and black radio, like, uh, how long is the guitar solo? It's a long guitar solo. I want to hear the guitar <laughs> solo. I want you to tell me about it after after we hear it. Okay, we're going to get into all that stuff. And if you like that distorted crunchiness, you're going to love the guitars because there's even more going on here. And specifically with Susan Rogers, this was the beginning of his working relationship with Prince was recording the guitars you're about to hear. Here's the second of three guitar tracks. So now let me play all of that for you together in the mix. This is all the guitars and the bass together on Prince's Let's Go Crazy. Or is it a Metallica song? One thing I love about delving into this is that as we mm. go from section to section, it is such a balancing act. Because so far, we, we, we were just balancing the drums, the Lin drum and the live drum. And now we've just heard a really pretty heavy set of guitars. But the next section we're going to get to after we can talk about this, but after we get to, 
is the the synths and things start to get balanced out. And that's the crazy vision that Prince had, that all of these things in the mix, there wouldn't be anything that was too much of one. I really want to hear the guitar solo at the end of the song. Oh, yeah, we have to play that. There we go. I mean, come on, man. Oh, God. I don't play the guitar. Mm. I don't ever really hear anything that makes me want to play the guitar, but I hear that and I want to. I wish I could play the guitar. It's so tasty. It also feels like a message too. Like again, you know, we're isolating it, but in the context of American pop music, you know, there's there's people try to diminish you, right? So the people say like, "Well, he's just a pop artist," and yeah, he Mm -hmm. used some elements. Prince is going, no, like, fuck you. I can actually shred like Jimi Hendrix. I like, just blew Motley right. Crue out of the water. Got rid of all those people. <laughs> yeah. Now what are you going to say? You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, uh, it's almost like when Drake sings sometimes. It's like, yeah, I can write raps, but I can also sing. So I can be on the pop chart and the hip hop chart at the same time. Now, now what are you going to say? I mean, that's right. I, I just think that that's, when, when I think about guitar solos, like, I know I'm supposed to say certain artists, but I always think about that guitar solo. Okay, so the next part I want to play is all the keyboards. There's a lot of synths going on in this song, and I was talking before about the balance. This is the balancing act. For all those crunchy guitars, we have a lot of surprisingly dinky, I'm going to use the word. That's not a very technical word, but it always strikes me as dinky, some of the synths in here. I think you'll agree once you hear them. (laughs) It's dinky. You know what's interesting? It's It's almost baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds right? like a baseball. You're right. It's almost yeah. like a baseball. Coming up to thing. bat in 1983, <laughs> Dale crazy. Murphy. Um, yes. yeah. I know who that is. <laughs> that's for the Braves. Shout, shout out to Mike Stein, card. who's a big Braves fan. Yeah. Listen, um, that's Lisa, right? From Wendy and Lisa playing that's that. Lisa, Lisa Coleman on keyboards. Yeah. Uh, some of them might be Prince, actually. So some Prince, oh, okay. some, some Lisa. Yeah, I I'm always sure assume that yeah. it's Lisa. Yeah. I won't diminish these musicians, but <laughs> I just know how, like, genius artists are yeah they will smooth do that shit themselves in the studio but then yeah. when you see him on stage everybody's sharing in the duties but it's nice to hear yeah that he did have his musicians but i know sometimes i'm like well i'll just i'm just gonna do it i'm just gonna you, do it there, i have to give a shout out to this incredible book where i got a lot of my my facts from and there's mm-hmm. this guy called Dwayne tudal and he has this book where he has it's a 400 page book documenting every day in prince's life from 1983 to 1984 and there's a a second edition i just bought which is 85 to 86 Mm. but in this book he's documenting and he's gone back into the he's talked to susan rogers who i just mentioned Mm -hmm. he's gone into the archives he's looked at all the tapes there's a degree to which from that archival research we can kind of know a little bit about what happened but there's still some mysteries we do know that the live stuff that I showed you before, the drums and the bass and the guitar. That was all recorded by the band in a rehearsal space. Mm -hmm. But we also know then he went into the studio with Susan to do some overdubs. So to your point, we don't know what got kept and what got replaced. It's not not about, again, it's not about dissing the musicians he works with. It's just about understanding the perfectionism of a really great artist and knowing that deep down, I mean, they just want to like, I'll just do it. I've got a perfect example coming up because if you remember, by the way, I should point out that the version of the song that's recorded... When you listen to the recording, it's four minutes long, but mm. everyone who's seen the movie knows that it's there's, long. There's a long, there's a seven minute song. Yeah. And the recording itself is actually seven minutes. They just cut it down for there's radio. That whole, there's that whole thing that Prince does at the keyboard. So that's what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> In the movie, you'll see Prince jumping on the keyboards playing this, frankly, hilarious yes. piano solo, which yes. I freaking love. Mm. It's frantic. I'm going to play it for you for a second. Here's a little bit of this crazy, this. frantic solo in the middle. Mm. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's crazy. He has a couple songs where he does that on. A, he does it on. Um, hold on. It's like a ragtime. Yeah, I was just gonna say this sounds like Scott Joplin. Scott Joplin. 
So this is actually can, not. Can I can I oh, hear yeah, yeah. that? Can I hear that with the instrumentation over it? Oh yeah. <laughs> you mean just the whole song? Yeah yeah. yeah. Okay. But that part of the song, because you can hear it. Okay. In the mix. Now now I'll play that in mm. the mix. And it's a little less crazy in the mix, but still a little crazy. Like this is the this is the Wario version yeah. <laughs> of the song. The bizarre Superman version. Yeah, he exactly. understands the complimentary nature of those sounds, right? Like it does yeah. not sound to me cacophonic at all. No, it's it not. It sounds like no, that goes together. It's that just, totally works. It's like a, it's, a, it's like a palate cleanser in the middle of a song. But to your point, that's actually Matt Fink playing the that keyboard solo. Mm. But in the movie, Prince likes it so much, he's like, I'm gonna make sure the world thinks it's me who walked, walked in the movie. Yeah, he no, walked over and does that, right? Yeah. Yes. No, but yeah. what he's saying is that that's not actually Prince playing it, even though Prince is... No, I'm saying in the movie, he walks like, over. Yeah. What is that, finger sinking it? Yeah. yeah, he's finger sinking <laughs> He comes it, over to the keyboard and does that. Yeah. I mean, I think, that's yeah. What, yeah. I think we should talk about Minneapolis here, because I am a Prince disciple. I think the man is an absolute genius, but I think there are so many solid, solid people working with him. Yeah. You know, like, because if you look at their resumes, like, the most obvious examples are Jer uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who work with Flight Time mm -hmm. and Time, Morris Day, you know, like, you know. There's something about, uh, this might not be your Just point. real quick, oh. Dr. Fink goes on yeah, to Fink. work with a lot of fucking really successful bands afterwards. Right. And and there's some, there's some freaking brilliance there, too. I think, yeah. you know, to me, and we'll get into it later about, like, you know, What's your favorite Prince album? But I, I will say right here of of his bands, New Power Generation, uh, some of the other ones, the things that came before. I think it takes nothing away from Prince to say that the Revolution had yeah. some freaking heavy hitters. I, I've heard people describe the Revolution stars. as the Mount Rushmore of Prince. I just yes, Prince if you fans. have to rank his yeah, yeah. his bands or whatever, like it's Wendy, Lisa, Purple Rain. We'll Brown get into Mark, Purple Rain on another episode, but Z. like the Wendy and Lisa Purple Rain is well documented. Mm. But it's interesting you bring up. Minneapolis, Diallo, because I also feel like there's another thing, which is the other thing about Prince I find really interesting, and he shares it with a lot of black folks, including somebody he went on tour with. I don't know what it is, but for some reason, places that you don't usually identify with black folks <laughs> tend to put out some of the blackest. I'm thinking about the Gap Band in Tulsa. Yeah. I'm thinking about Rick James in Buffalo. Yep. Prince is in Minneapolis. These are not places Sir that... Sir Mix a lot. But even... In Seattle. But even think about... I was even thinking about like uh, a Timberland in Virginia. Like Virginia is a very black place. Well, we did like, a whole episode about all the black people came out of Virginia. But you don't think of it as... When I was coming, you were, Virginia was not on the short list of cities mm. that you would list as places that great black Yeah, Virginia's got Timbo and Pharrell. So anyway, the point is all so you many. black people who are in like... Uh, Peoria, Nebraska. Illinois. If you're in Nebraska and you feel all alone, if you're in music. Wyoming, uh, that's somebody always there. If you're in South Dakota and you're black, you need to be making music. Because Just start I making think music. You got something special. Get to Butte. Get to the town of Butte. Uh, is <laughs> Butte, North Dakota. Is that, that, that's North Dakota. But you know what? If you're near Butte, get out of Whitefish, go to Butte, and start your own. That's first in Montana. Avenue. But if you're in Whitefish, Montana, I don't know. I would need to go school. and make some music. Okay, so this last piece is the vocals. And I'm so excited about this because I want to hear Prince's raw, untreated vocals. Okay, so let's get into the vocals on Let's Go Crazy. I'm going to start with some of the iconic Prince intro uh, stuff that you normally hear with the organ behind it. Here it is for the first time on radio. <laughs> Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The Can we get into the singing? I think we probably want to hear yeah. the singing. Let's get into some singing. You see, I call my old lady for friendly word. She just picked up the phone, dropped it on the floor. 
I mean, I don't know who wants to go first, but my God, go ahead. I'm just, so this is one of those things where you hear a song forever and never actually <laughs> listen to the real lyrics. Is he saying he called up his girl and then she dropped the phone and somebody was in there smashing? Is that no? I think she she started masturbating. Oh, she masturbating. got okay. so oh. into what he was. Talking I assumed about. It was that a, was that was my interpretation. Yeah, too. it was yeah. another guy. I think there. that he she Poor picked girl. up the phone, dropped on the floor because she was having sex. That's what I read. Oh, I, I thought I thought Prince just turned her on. Guys, if anybody was around Prince when. <laughs> He was recording that line. On October, get, August 7th, 1983. Is or is somebody getting boned? Let us know. Also, let us know that. Let us know who Biggie was having sex with while he was who playing against the Utah the Knicks Jazz. Who was dating a girl? Yes. I want to know which Knicks player know this. This is a girlfriend hooked up with Biggie Smalls. Call the number on your screen That right should be now. the other show let we should know. do. Hip-hop mysteries. Fifth caller gets a t-shirt. Hip-hop mysteries. Hip-hop mysteries. The question is, hip-hop, hip-hop has never answered. Um, I, I think, I think right. he sounds amazing. Can I hear one part in particular? Yeah, yeah. Can I hear at the very end of the guitar solo, I'm pretty sure he says, take me away, but yeah. I want to hear that part okay. untreated, just because that always sounded so guttural. You know what? I take requests on this show, so let's do that. <laughs> take me away! <laughs> Woo! That'll wake you up in the morning. <laughs> well, that actually point. One of the two mm. things as I was listening, I wanted to say number one is how distorted it is. That yeah. is not a perfectly. No, he's on the microphone like that. That is not a professionally engineered vocal in any sense of the word. Nor were the guitars we heard. Nor were the drums. This is a very lo-fi, cheap production. But that is so freaking cool. But it's punk so intentional. Rock but it's intentional. And it's again, intentional. You have to have the context of what was everybody else doing. I think the thing about artists I love is that they're always looking around going, everything around me sucks, and let me show you why. That's that's the motivation. So he's hearing all this clean-ass music, all mm-hmm. this perfection, and he's going, I can make a pop song that has muddy vocals, distortion, you know, that you have keyboards that in the middle of it, there's like a ragtime Charlie, you yeah, know, a, a, crazy. Uh, what's his name, Scott Joplin vibe yeah. going on, and yet it's still like number one pop record on the planet. Yeah. Right, like that's and we're a- and we're gonna get into that because I I want to talk about this song's place in music at the time and and ask some questions about what we see again mm. before we move on from vocals. Can we hear? I think you said that there's some female vocals underneath Prince. Let me play that for you first. The the other thing, by the way, the other point I just wanted to quickly make was as we were listening to that, mm-hmm. I had this kind of feeling of like it being intrusive. Like as we were listening to Prince, like right. I, I felt his vulnerability because I kind of pictured him alone in the studio. He's made everyone leave. You know, yeah. he's closed the door. Susan Rogers, mm-hmm. this new engineer who he's just decided to trust is also not looking at him because that's a big thing. He, he made sure no one was looking at him. And I, I really felt that as we heard his isolated vocal, this I sort of too. frightened artist, not frightened, but like, you know, vulnerable artist is the right word. But I think that, you know, just to close out this conversation, I think, again, one of the things I really love about doing this show is that you realize that no matter how big a song is, no matter how, you know, famous a, a singer is, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he had to go into that studio yeah. and lay down a vocal. Yeah. And that's where all creativity starts, is that at some point it's nothing, and then it's something. Um, and it's not just Prince on the track. Uh, female vocals, I, I hear some. I yeah. actually heard some bleed yeah. in his headphones while he was singing. I feel like uh, mm. Winnie and Lisa are probably on yeah, the Yeah, there's, there's some really fun moments with yeah. them doing some harmonies. Let's, 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 let's hear that real quick. Let's listen to them. Are we gonna let the elevator break us down? Oh no, let's go! I hear how much fun they're having. By too. the way, that sounds like Blitzkrieg pop. I love that they were bringing so many different stuff. Let's go! And I love that they just brought like, they weren't like, you That's know. That's like Ramones, yeah. you know? 
they're not like these like Diana Ross perfection singers not at all. <laughs> but they're just like the right vibe, and it's, the it's vibe, just the right. It's, it's one of those things I think about. When I think about like Kanye West telling Jamie Foxx like how to sing on on slow jams, right? And Jamie's do, Jamie tells the story about he's doing all this stuff, and Kanye's like, no, just you kind of just want to keep it really simple here because this is what <laughs> hip hop is. And I just uh. loved it with this version, Prince and Wendy. At least you know some again, some old ones, and it was like, ah, look, I could, I could get you Carol Carol King. Okay, <laughs> I know Carol King. She'll come in, she'll do the vocal. And he's like, no, this is I want this. Yeah, I want they this. want the imperfection, and it, it brings this in is the sound I'm doing. We, we've heard literally the lo-fi recording. We've heard the big crunchy guitars, yeah. and we hear the imperfect vocals. And part of it aesthetically is he's like he's by the way, listening, by the way, we've just had punk rock come in and we just had new wave and post-punk. He's obviously listening to that. He's a big fan of the B-52s. We had those dinky little synths before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those could have been B-52s synths. We could have mm-hmm. had Fred Schneider on vocals. Yeah. It's oh, the gosh. same like low Let's style. go crazy. Oh, <laughs> Let's get nuts. <laughs> you know Fred being in the shower tearing that song up to this baby. <laughs> he should have had me on the song. Let's go. <laughs> So we've heard many different parts of this song, all the different parts, and how it equaled to something that was greater than those parts. Mm. Uh, But now I want to take a big step back and just talk about Prince the Artist and his legacy. I mean, he Mm. has so many records, so much music. Um, (laughs) Right off the bat, I just kind of want to ask you, Bashir, what's your favorite Prince album? Um, Hmm, that is a good question. It probably has to be. It's probably Purple Rain. Now, yeah. tonight on the way home, I'll be like, oh, no, it was Sign of the Times. Love sexy. <laughs> um, but I just, I'm so impressed that, again, I think the hardest thing in music is writing a pop melody. I think that's, it is both the quickest way to be successful, but it's also so out of reach. And there are some people who, after a time in their career, they can't do it anymore. They try, they just can't. And so anytime somebody has an album, Prince has this, Michael has this, I think back then they demanded it more. Mm. Where ninety five percent of the album could be your single, that that's rare. <laughs> you don't have that nowadays. Like nowadays, I listen, mean, I, it's, I, two, I, it's two tracks you love, yeah, and the rest you kind of feel like there's always there some are no duds on there's, there's always some a single dud on Purple put Rain. This out. I've been saying dud. for a long time. By the way, I think the answer to the question for me is is Purple Rain and me too. And and yours yeah, too. It's simple. So now I kind of want to I want to ask an incendiary question because anytime I come across an album that I feel is pretty perfect, I think some albums are just perfect. I think Nas is is kind of perfect. I mean, when it comes to Purple Rain, yeah, it's true. You got to lose one song. Oh, okay, and it's painful, freaking painful, but. Let's go down the line. So the songs on Purple Rain are Let's Go Crazy, Take Me With You, The Beautiful Ones, Computer Blue, Darling Nikki, Wind Doves Cry, All right, I, I Would an Die For You, Baby I'm a Star, Purple Rain. You haven't named a dud yet, Let's, man. No, no, listen, I, I, listen. I, I, and I we it. go into this conversation not saying that any of these songs are bad, but we are yeah. being forced to okay. lose one. Bashir, what is your choice? It's going to have to be Darling Nikki because I remember. You, a girl named Nikki, I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I met her in a hotel lobby, masturbating with a magazine. She said, how'd you like to waste some time? And I could not... First off, y'all, there's no good answers. They're all... I didn't say unmovable. that. That was luxury. Luxury, there's no good answers. <laughs> y'all sounded like y'all been doing the show so long. I just heard, what? I was like, that's Diallo doubting me. That's Diallo he just Ritter. met me. I mean, we've never been in the same room before. Mm, 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 mm. No, I would just what? say it's got to be Darling Nikki because that is, that's the one that I remember was like, you couldn't listen to it because your parents were like, you better not listen to that song. But I would also say that as beautiful and perfect as it is, I don't mm. think I listen to that as much as the other stuff. Mm. That's interesting. That's interesting. Luxury, what's yours? Can I just counter that with one? I want to I try sure. to win you back to my side because just listen – just listen. You oh, may not it's an amazing this song, by the way. We're not arguing if it's incredible. It's incredible. I'm sure you know the song inside and out, but just yes. listen to the drums at the end. Just listen to the drums at the end. 
Fucking heavy metal drumming right there. Wait, hold on. Then it also goes to that reverse part too, right? Listen to this. That's fucking. Yeah. But let me say what though. Just since, since we're being extra critical, Diallo, it takes a long time to get to that part. <laughs> right? That ain't. They Fair don't enough. start with that. Fair enough. I hear you. Was that your answer? It has to be because okay. it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of like. You can't you can't pick anything else. What about your yeah? Well, here. you know we're almost out of time, so let's move on to the next section. We've talked. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what's your answer? <laughs> now that you guys are on record, let's uh, let's let's close this one out. Now that you're on record That's hating Prince, right. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, on on a serious note, mm. uh, for Prince's legacy, the thing that I really love about Prince, and, and I want to, but what talk song about would this. you drop, bro? He's really not going to answer this question. Oh no, no, I'll, I'll answer in a second. I'm, I'm oh, going okay. to get there. I'm Hold on, get there. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get there. For me, the thing that I love about Prince so much is, and I and I was thinking about this even if if Little Richard is you know the inventor of rock and roll, if you have to single it down to one person, I, I truly do believe that. I think there's so much Agreed. that we take for granted about rock and roll and rhythm and blues that we directly link to one guy, which yep. is insane. When when you dig Tootie deep, uh, the king of rock and roll, as he used to say, hell yeah. Um, mm. You know, he's by the way, he would say there is no prince without the king. Yes, and Prince notably stayed away from throwing him. Throwing his name in his list of influences, That's which is interesting. Well, he probably had a personality. I think that, I think there was yeah. some personality yeah. stuff yeah. happening there. But I will say this: the thing I love about Prince is that I a I don't think we'll ever see another person like him again. I also just really appreciate as a person who appreciates so many different types of of music mm-hmm. that I can listen to rock Prince. I can listen to slow jam R and B Prince, like oh, the Christ. one who did the one who did "Damn You," which is basically just a real slow R and B song. Yeah, black like, album so Prince. So many black album Prince. Yeah. Uh, I actually do really appreciate Diamond and Pearl's Prince. Can you do the bad dance? I would never do the bad dance, okay. but I like the bad dance a lot, and okay. I think that I think that Shaun of the Dead was wrong. I think that's actually a, a very good album, <laughs> and maybe you had to be there for it. <laughs> was, that, um, was that one of the ones he was like? <laughs> that was a, yeah, like, he's like, hey, you can't throw Prince. He's like, uh, this is bad dance. He's like, toss it. <laughs> what was the Janet Jackson one? Was it the Velvet <laughs> I like the Velvet Rope. Velvet Rope's amazing album. album. Those yes, anytime, they, any place. <laughs> the British, they were already off onto Oasis and Blood. Well, that's the joke, right? <laughs> but, but, <laughs> shout out to Edgar Wright. Why he's, had, he's a control buddy. of the Velvet Rope. Velvet Rope. Velvet Rope. <laughs> that's insane. Watch Shaun of the Dead, folks. What a great the inside thing that I baseball. Love, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just going to say about Prince is that he opened up the format. Like, the fact that... Let's Go Crazy is 192 BPMs. Yeah. 96 if you want to have it and get into the yeah, DJ yeah, yeah. technicalness <laughs> of that. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's extremely fast. And the fact that he could do all these different types and everybody accepted it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's Prince. He's, he's basically, you know, an R&B slash pop artist. Yeah. Like, that means so much to me. And I always wonder, will we see another person who can skate across all these other genres effectively and in the same way. I feel like nowadays people in their own unique way are more constricted. Well, here's the thing, right? So so back in the day, as with our field of television, you had to fight. There was three channels. Mm-hmm. So there was basically, you know, a bloodbath to get on those three channels. Now there are infinite channels yeah. between streaming, uh, traditional, and the internet. <laughs> I think we have a fast channel. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the point I'm making is this, is that, you again, I'm, I'm a broken record on this, but you got to consider context. Prince is looking at Michael Jackson. Yeah. That's that, in his brain, knowing how good he is. There's only one human being on this planet. Oh, he may be better than me. Oh, he, can't, he, probably, he probably can't even say the word, right? But Michael's out there, and so that I think is a tremendous amount of pressure 
on him. And I think that's why you get some of this beautiful stuff. It's like diamonds because there was pressure on that You know that the coal. bad story, right? The story about bad? They have many stories together, but I haven't heard this no, one. No, no, the no, bad story. It's like, oh, so, a bad story. No, I haven't yeah. heard that. Michael contacts the people, Prince people, saying, I want, I want, this is a duet. I want to do a song I got a song, it's a duet. So he, it's he offered bad. an olive branch. He gave him the olive branch. He's like, I got a song. I, I want it to be a duet. A song called song bad. is called Bad. Prince gets the lyric sheet. He's like, first line is, first line is, your butt is mine. Prince is like, I ain't interested. You're not saying that to me and I ain't saying that to you. <laughs> so it's not wow, happening. <laughs> he told that story to Chris. Story about how Prince why by the way, this is a Michael thing. We are the world. Prince I saw this on YouTube the other day. I think he was originally supposed to be in the We Are the World thing. Right? Oh really? He's not in that. Yeah, he's yeah. not in it. No, he's it's, noticeably it's, it's, absent. It's yeah. a, it's it's a where am I standing? Who is Michael there? It's it's again, it's not about look. Unfortunately, we like to think everybody's friends, but the truth of the matter is great art (laughs) comes from people being like, I'm competing with that guy. So in Prince's mind, there's one person he's constantly competing with, and he's like, I can beat that dude. And then I think that's what lends leads us to all this greatness. And I'm I'm here for it. But well, listen to half of our stories are about like yeah. his size and about being surprised how short he was as he skirts across the room with his high heels and all this. Yeah. He obviously it's so obvious it's barely worth saying, but he had sort of a complex about his height. And it clearly went into a lot of the competition. He's apparently one of the best basketball players that ever lived, right, if you right. believe all the anecdotes about him. And instrumentally speaking, he isn't just the, one of the greatest songwriters and singers, he's also one of the greatest stealth, one of the greatest guitar players that's ever lived. He's up there with Hendrix and whoever else like for like as we just heard in that guitar solo this is a sick guitar player he's doing all of this and the songwriting and the composing and every day he writes a song his whole rest of his life but his the pop obsessed. but the ability to write a pop hit there's so many musicians who Diallo and I or I you know when I was living in New York I would have to go see him and they'd be like oh you gotta go see this guy you gotta go see that girl and the musicianship was outstanding. The ability to write a pop song was not there. Mm-hmm. It's it's it is unusual yeah, to have all of that skill. stuff. Absolutely, uh, I'll probably say "Darling, Nikki" too. Not because I don't think it's a classic. And by the way, I didn't know. I didn't even know what masturbating meant when he's. I just knew it sounded <laughs> like I mean, a crazy. Let's go crazy. It sounded like a crazy word. Doesn't let's go crazy. And I knew end? that my parents cringed every time. That <laughs> Excuse part me. Doesn't of the movie let's happened. go crazy end with please come. Please come. Am I wrong about that? Is that no, how is it? Take me away, I thought. He's come. He's it's, come. He's come. Oh, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Come. He's very, coming. It's very, he's it's about the, it's the, very the, Christ-like. The Lord is coming. Okay, because I was listening to that Diana Ross song. Uh, I'm go, coming you, out? You can come inside me at the end oh, of it. Oh, boy. Do you come yeah. inside me? No, that's, that's Manny Ripperton. Okay, so that's Manny Ripperton, yeah. right? So I was thinking to myself, like, how the hell did that get on the radio? <laughs> that was on regular ass well, RB radio. Know, recurring theme on the show, we the talk about people saying, You can come inside you me. You remember? Yeah. 10 times. Do you remember Relax by Frankie? Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, well, apparently, Do you want to come? And they told when you people. Come, yeah. That was not about. <laughs> it wasn't about. He said, well, Rolling Stones, start me up. You make a dead man come. It's right there. They're saying it on the radio right now, somewhere in the so world. So all the record execs, all the radio execs say, hey, we don't know what that means. Yeah, what? <laughs> we don't, don't know what that means. It could be anything. All right. After long wait, I just want to say how much Prince meant to me. But yes, if I had to choose one song on Purple Rain, it would be Darling Licky. But I'm not going to throw that away. We don't have to throw that away. But it's it's Darling Nikki. We have two votes for Darling Nikki. I'm yeah. really shocked. I'm which, really which shocked. Which one is yours? Well, it's a difficult choice. We all know we're all. I'm beating around the bush just as much as you are. Maybe slightly less than you. You're yeah, beating yeah. around the bush with I many all minutes around long. The bush. Yeah, many legendary. minutes of beating around the Great bush. Great album, by the way. Beat if I had to bush. drop one, it would be "Take Me With You." Which, to be fair, was the last song added to the soundtrack. 
Last You're song crazy. And it kind of feels that way. It kind of feels shoved in there. No. The biggest we, lie. But that is my answer. And I'm sticking with it. And I'm proud of it. I'm proud of your answer. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about, the revolution. Uh, some would say Prince fired them all uh, in kind of humiliating ways. Bashir, have you ever been fired? <laughs> yes. Plenty of times. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right, that's that's a fair enough answer. I got fired. Uh, no, no. Tell, what's what's the fire story? It's it's old news now. I got fired. <laughs> I was a, a a PA on a show, and I got fired. <laughs> and then I had no food in my house. I was broke, and I still had my key card. <laughs> I remember this. I remember so this. I was like, I'm gonna go. In. <laughs> I'm going a weekend and clean that place out. <laughs> so I went no, to, for food, to be clear. Food, you yeah, weren't robbing it. No, I was broke. So I, and it was like hungry. stuff that it's they were going to throw. Bar. I bought the food. I know they're going to throw it away. They throw it away. So I went you in there and got two grocery bags full of like Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Those granola things. <laughs> granola things. Sweet Valley. What is that I was like, I'm going to live like a king. They and didn't then need on them. the way out, one of the, one of the writers on the show was working on the weekend. He was like, hey. <laughs> He's like, hey, Bashir. I was like, hey. He was like, all right. I was like, yep. <laughs> Shout out to that man. He's still working. He's never told anybody on me. Oh, that's sweet. We're colleagues now. I'm in the WGA, baby. But, oh, man, that was embarrassing. You're welcome. Uh, I got fired for falling asleep in the law school library when I was in college. So that's what actually started off my fired DJ career. Fired from what? Career. What were you I was as? supposed to be working, and I fell asleep in the library. And, uh, and I, <laughs> I didn't dock myself those hours. And somebody told my uh, boss that I had been sleeping. Long story short is... That was when I lost my official term time job, and I started DJing, and I've never looked back. So there you go. Your life got better. <laughs> uh, we hope you've enjoyed "Let's Go Crazy" mm. by Prince. We've played the parts. We've talked about the the man who influenced him and his legacy. All right, <laughs> that's the episode. Let's go crazy. I think we went crazy. Uh, and it was so much fun talking about Prince. Luxury, help me in this thing. I have been producer, DJ, and songwriter Luxury. Find me on the internet at Luxury, L-U-X-X-U-R-Y, on Instagram, and at L-U-X-X-R-Y-X-X on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, and I'm actor, writer, director, and sometimes DJ Diallo Riddle. Uh, you'll find me at Diallo on Instagram and at Diallo Riddle. How many L's are there? On, there are two L's. Okay, okay, one okay, two L's. Yeah. Uh, and, and Bashir, I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> That's the best one. I love it. Thank you so much for coming through, Bashir. I knew this was going to be an epic That was so episode. fun. Thank you for coming by, man. This is one song. We'll see you next time. This episode was produced by Matthew Nelson and Jordan Collin. With engineering from Marcus Hom. Additional production support from Leslie Guam, Charles Childers, and Alicia Shimada. The show is executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, and Eric Weil. We'll see you next time. Hey, I'm Paul Shear. I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jason Manzukis. And we're the hosts of How Did This Get Made, a comedy podcast where we deconstruct, make fun of, and celebrate the best worst movies ever made. Have you ever seen a movie that's so bad that it's actually good? Eh, that's what we're talking about. From blockbuster franchises and made-for-TV romances. To bonkers 80s action flicks and obscure sci-fi musicals, we cover it all. You can find How Did This Get Made wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. Idiot.